0: everybody, or good night or good evening, whatever time you're listening to this. Welcome to the weekly NFL edition of the Atlantic Discussion Podcast, another source of NFL news, predictions, and more. This podcast is featured primarily on Anchor.com. I am Trinity Collins. Please visit my Instagram page at productions. Check out my website at trinity24.wixsite.com. And don't forget my YouTube channel. I have sports highlights, radio interviews, and more. And Coming up soon, I'll have some blogs up, I think by November or December, whatever I can get those graded, because they are for school. I'm in grad school right now, so whenever I can get those articles and blogs up is when I can get it on my website at trinity24.wixsite.com, and stay tuned for that. We have an excellent show for you guys today, Le'Veon Bell to the Chiefs, NFL Top 10 Teams heading into Week 6, Dak Prescott's ankle injury, and Week 6 predictions, but... Let's start the show with some news that broke early this morning as I woke up. The Indianapolis Colts shut down their facility in the wake of several positive COVID 19 tests. The club said in a statement This morning, we were informed that several individuals within our organization have tested positive of COVID 19. The team is currently in the process of confirming those tests. Now, in the meantime, The practice facility will be closed and the team will work remotely while following NFL protocols. We are in communication with the NFL and will have more information when available. End quote. That was from the Indianapolis Colts um, franchise. So this is per NFL Networks Tom Pilarso. He noted that these are the first COVID-19 issues the Colts have experienced since initial screening in late July. The outcomes of the the retests will likely determine the ability of Sunday's game against the Bengals to go off or on without a hitch. Now, here's what I think when I first saw the news. I think it's time that the NFL starts thinking about extending the NFL season by a week or two. The first two weeks of the season were fine. Then as we inch closer to the to the trade deadline, those positive cases started to flare up again. And now we're in a big heap of trouble. Because on the outside the death toll is the death toll is increasing and is getting is getting closer to 230,000 people dead and the cases are not slowing down at all and that's due to the fact that there's more sports going on more people are going back to work more than usual and more people are starting to go back to their natural way of lives and being a little lax in how they approach procedures wearing a mask and that's just, that's just all over the, over the country, not just in certain parts, not just in the South or the North or the West or whatever. And look, and the Titans, they went through this, I think, about like earlier this season. They ended up waiting 16 days for their next game. And when they tried to practice in a secluded area, they almost got punished punished for it. So, look, you can reschedule the NFL and reschedule the season as much as you want. You can try doing that, try to push team. Um, games back and have this bye week be the replacement of the other bye week. I understand that you can try doing that, but it's inevitable. More teams are start to, will get have more um, cases as the season goes on. Cam Newton just got, just got back into practice and Stefan Gilmore was p- tested positive. Okay, and now everybody else is like going crazy because he was interacting with Patrick Mahomes. And again, this won't go away. So It's best that you start planning on having the NFL season head into maybe mid-January and having the Super Bowl happen in mid-February. I mean, it's not the ideal situation, but it's going to be the reality going forward as we inch closer to the trade deadline than when the Thanksgiving, Christmas. It's going to be a reality. So... Just be prepared for this and again, I hope the game between the Indianapolis Colts and the Bengals happens. I hope that maybe there are false tests, maybe like you know they're read wrong or whatever. But again, this this stuff can happen. whether it's ha- whether they ha- play the game or not, this stuff can happen. So again, NFL, be prepared to push the season for a week or two longer. It's your best case scenario because again keep her scheduling things with the lady inevitable. Alright, so let's get into the news that broke I think a day or two ago. And when I heard about this, I kinda of, I kinda of chuckled <laughs> because I knew that I kinda of figured that would happen. But let's get into it. Le'Veon Bell is signing a one year deal with the Kansas City Chiefs, reported on Thursday, just two days after it was announced he was being released by the New York Jets. So Bell is now heading to Chiefs Kingdom. So when he was released, the first thing that pops popped into my head was that thank God, God, his career won't die with the New York Football Jets. And that's what happens when he goes to the Jets, the Lions, or the Browns. Your career will die there. Sam Darnold, you can still force a trade and get out of there. But then I thought to myself, of course it was the Chiefs. Because it could have been the Patriots too. And that's why I'm laughing. I would have rolled on the floor dying of laughter if the Miami Dolphins had signed Le'Veon Bell because they played them next game. But other than that, it was a good move for the Chiefs they now have two dynamic running backs in the backfield in an Andy Reid-led offense, along with uh, Travis Kelsey, Tyreek Hill, Sammy Watkins, Mikhail Hardman, and many other people. Patrick Mahomes gets another tour to play with. Now the question is, how often will they run the ball? And that's a a thing that Andy Reid has gone away with since he got Patrick Mahomes, because when he was with um, Alex Smith, they ran the ball way more than he threw it. And that led, to, that led to success, but that wasn't the success that he had with Patrick Mahomes of just getting the football down the field, trying to get those big chunk plays. So I think this could be a big plus for the Chiefs. Because for me, one-dimensional teams that have like a set identity and, not, can, and can't veer off of it can hurt a team. I understand that certain teams need identity. But then again, you need like a subheader with that too. Getting big chunk plays is b- good, but when you have a, the Patriots and the Chargers who provided the game plan to neutralize Patrick Mahomes to keep the game close by not blitzing him by putting eight guys or seven guys drop back and just have them just sit there and hold and wait and maybe they'll get get to him in like three to four seconds. They need a run game. They need that threat that if you go in if they go into spread formation or eleven personnel, they can definitely run the football and, have, and just. Eat the clock up too. Again, it's not ideal cuz Andy Reid likes to push the ball down the field, and I'm sure Patrick Mahomes likes flinging that football like a discus in the Roman Olympics, but using a run game more and advising Patrick Mahomes to check the check to run when he sees formation in his favor, it's the probably the best best thing you could do to really have an effective offense for this season. And for those who are wondering when he will join the team, the veteran running back will not be able to play in the Chiefs' Week 6 game against the Buffalo Bills on Monday. So he won't be able to see him against the Buffalo Bills, which he could have signed to also, not only to Buffalo, but also to Miami. But he will need to go through six days of COVID-19 protocols and should then be able to practice next week. The timeline is dependent upon when the deal is officially finalized, then to shore up when. Day one is for Bell with the Chiefs and him going forward with Pro Cross. However, Bell should be ready to go by week eight when the Chiefs face his old team, the Jets, on the November 1st. This information comes from info.com. So, again, good signing by the Chiefs, and I hope Le'Veon Bell gets a ring. I can't, You know, honestly, to me, I kind of want the Chiefs to win the championship this year because I really want to see Bell get a ring. Because, like, again... I like seeing kind of misery on teams that don't do well in franchises who don't know how to handle coaching hires, roster structure, how to draft and develop players, and even re-sign their own at the draft who become at least decent to really good. So I really hope that Le'Veon Bell can definitely win a championship this year and has a big game and maybe gets MVP because that would be a great story to tell on on like NFL films on America's game. It would be really, really cool. All right, so coming up next a potential NFL bubble for the NFL playoffs, and the Saints possibly exploring alternative home stadiums. Stay tuned for that. This is the NFL Weekly News Edition. You know what's really crazy about the um, NFL is that sometimes you can look up into something that could be a new way to be, a new cash grab for the NFL. So, the fact that we had Tuesday night football this past um, week with the Titans and Bills, which turned into a massacre for the Bills, the, the, Titans, the Titans absolutely crushed them on their home field, and it was just shocking because I thought it'd be a lot more closer. But the fact that it happened on Tuesday night could be an experiment that the NFL could be going back to in about a year or two. Because look, I think a lot of people could agree with me that the NFL on Thursday Night Football isn't the most exciting thing ever. I wasn't a big fan of Thursday Night Football. I think we can definitely be great just having Thursday Night Football for opening day and Thanksgiving. But to be honest, I hope they don't do Tuesday Night Football because look, I have work to do and I know that. I know that Mo- Saturday, Sunday and Monday are football days. I can definitely get around with that. But Tuesdays are going to make it a lot more harder. And then you have Thursday night football. I mean, like, listen, this ain't the NBA where you can have it like four days out of the week. What it makes the NFL great is the fact that it comes. it's like a weekly event. So you can definitely bring your girlfriend or your best friends, go out and hang out on tailgating and Chiefs Kingdom, Bill's Mafia. It turns into a weekly event. That's like a, like a weekly thing for the guys to do. Or if you have crazy crazy girlfriend, you want to take her out on a date to the NFL? Go see a Bills game or go see a Ravens game? That's what makes it awesome. And I don't think you're gonna water it down by having it on Thursday night football, or you're gonna have it on Saturday, Saturday night football. You'll have it on Tuesday night football too if you're gonna go that direction. So look, I hope the NFL doesn't start making random days as football nights. Look, I think having them wait a week to play the next game is a big. Is a is probably the best call other than that, what's another call that the NFL has made is that the NFL's chief medical officer is against shifting to a bubble environment amid the league's run of COVID-19 test results, saying it wouldn't be foolproof and citing the mental health risk of an extended period of social isolation. I mean, I was in social isolation for a long time and it didn't affect me. I think I went like the entire summer without talking to my own teammates, rarely talking to my own family. And uh, just going to work and going to practice. And I didn't speak to a lot of people. It didn't affect me. <laughs> but then again, I'm not the most sane person in the world. I do have insane qualities. But that's besides the point. Uh, Dr. Alan Sills reiterated during a conference call that the league has been discussing the bubble option since March, long before it was successfully implemented by multiple professional leagues across North America. But even after an outbreak amongst uh, the Titans, the Patriots, the Colts, nearly a dozen rescheduled games to week five, and a total of 47 sales said, we don't feel that concept as the safest course of action. Uh, he, had, he added in a statement, I think we all have to recognize that there are no perfect solutions here. First of all, a bubble is not going to keep out all affections. You still have other individuals that come in and out, Service workers, security, other personnel. And we've known from other experiences that those individuals can be affected. So simply being in a bubble doesn't keep us safe. We still have to do all these measures of mitigation with PPE and identifications of symptoms with testing, et cetera. And he makes a good point. I'm like, you're not like, avoiding COVID 19 is a hard thing to do. Even the guys, like, I think Anthony Lynn, the head coach of the San Diego Chart, San Diego, Los Angeles Chargers. Even he, who's probably the cleanest person, he has a, he's a, he's a utility belt. <laughs> he has like hand sanitizers. He wears his mask. I'm pretty sure he wears two masks all the time. He always preaches about safety, about you know staying healthy, wash your hands. And he got it. So Nick Saban got it. So it's hard to fight off this disease that's been killing nearly 230,000 people. And, it's giving, and new people are getting it every single day but and look I think the, and the, here's what the issue is because the ideal time that they want to have this bubble is during the playoffs and they want to have in, they want to have bubbles in two locations Dallas Texas which could be for the NFC and LA for the AFC 14 teams single elimination I find it interesting that the NFL isn't really pushing for this because the NBA the WNBA, and MLS have started and completed their seasons in a bubble, and the NBA had like little to no, had little to no like cases, that became a big problem. It was all safe, and it was all sound. So the NFL will lose more teams than then they'll be in the bubble because it's single elimination. If you lose one game, you're out. The NBA, you have to go through best of best of seven series or whatever, best of four series, whatever. But look, at the end of the day, it's not about how I feel, it's what the doctors say. And I'm going to listen to the doctors. And look, ideas, theories, and feelings can change over time. I mean, Dr. Fauci didn't think masks were a big problem, weren't the biggest um, solution, but now it's (laughs) a high market. Science changes, adaption over time. Different theories, different testing, different ways to be safe. They all come out as you learn more about how to make get people safe. So look, it's October. Who knows? Maybe next month, November, they could be they could have a different theory about how to how they can attack this virus and keep players safe and actually have the playoffs. It's difficult. I understand, but then again, I wouldn't. I'm holding out hope that will be a bubble. So I think it's the most safest precaution ever. And be really cool to look at. Hopefully, the NFL won't have any ideas, but it's a good, it's a good, good theory to have. All right, so let's get into the New Orleans Saints because they have a very interesting situation. The Saints are exploring the possibility of playing home games at Louisiana State University's Tiger Stadium, pointing to the ongoing COVID nineteen pandemic and local government restrictions as a season for considering alternate sites. Saints VP of Communications Graham Benzel said in a statement obtained by the NFL Network's Tom Pellissero, quote, We can confirm that our game operations staff is meeting with LSU officials today to discuss potentially hosting future Saints games at Tiger Stadium at Baton Rouge. New Orleans Mayor Latoya Cantrell released the following statement regarding the news of potential Saints games at LSU. She said, While the Saints' request for a special exception to the city's COVID-19 guidelines remains under consideration, allowing 20,000 people in an an indoor space represents significant public health concerns. At present, no NFL stadium in the country with a fixed roof facility is allowing such an exception. We will continue to monitor the public health data, but cannot set an artificial timeline for how and when conditions may allow for that kind of special exemption be requested. LSU is currently permitting games at Tiger Stadium to have attendance of 25% capacity. The Saints... Now look. (laughs) What's very interesting to think is about the Saints will be playing at another stadium because they haven't done this since Baton Rouge in 2005 when they hosted four games at Tiger Stadium once their stadium was being replaced and... No, not replaced, but uh, reworked, restructured... And fixed up because of Hurricane Katrina, but it's very interesting to see that we could actually see an NFL team back in a college stadium because I don't think that's ever happened since the Vikings in two thousand and nine, no two thousand ten. I think it was two thousand ten was the last time a NFL team was on a college stadium, and it was very trippy. <laughs> oh no, no, I'm not. I'm wrong. It was a uh, two thousand and fifteen, maybe. I don't remember, but I noticed that it was the Vikings and they were in um, University of Minnesota Stadium. I think it was Gopher Stadium, whatever. And again, it was, it was very cool to see the Vikings outside playing football because that was the old school Vikings. And seeing the Saints, but see, seeing the Saints play somewhere else other than the Superdome is very odd. But then again, if that's where they're going, if that's where they have to do in order to keep people safe because having an outdoor event is way more safer than having an indoor event where everything is enclosed and you have a better chance of catching COVID-19 in an indoor facility compared to an outdoor facility where it gets spread and go outside the stadium at one not and have people equally spaced out throughout the stadium it's very much a possibility that i think is a good thing i think i think they should um, i think they should pursue in, with this idea not a big fan of it, fan of it because I don't want to see a weirdly painted field with the Saints logo over the Tiger logo. It's going to look weird, but look, that's just my pet peeve. I just want everybody to stay safe, and that's where they should. All right, so coming up soon, coming up next, actually, will be Dak Prescott's broken ankle. Very, very tragic, but I'll talk more about who's to blame for it because I think that's what everybody wants to believe, who's to blame for it. And then coming up later, Jimmy Garoppolo got benched after making his return after his ankle injury. That's coming up next on the NFL Weekly News Edition, back in 30. All right, so we're back. Have you guys ever heard of like the phrase that NFL teams always throw out whenever they lose a big game? They always say, we win as a team, we lose as a team. There's not one individual problem with the team. We all lost and we all win. Well, that's always the case. But in this situation, apparently someone has to be blamed. And to me, everyone involved is to blame for what happened this past Sunday. So for those who were, so for those who are under a rock for the past week, Dallas Cowboys quarterback Dak Prescott broke his ankle Sunday afternoon in a game against the New York Giants. Prescott underwent successful surgery and will be out four to six months. Now, Cowboys executive vice president Stephen Jones says the team's feelings about Dak Prescott as its franchise quarterback hasn't changed. He stated this, Per the athletic, he's our future. If anyone can overcome anything, it's Dak. Feel good, feel very good that he can come back stronger and better than ever. Jones said Monday. Now, here are the topics that come from this game. Can the Cowboys win without Dak Prescott? And can the, and what will they do with the whole Dak contract situation? Prescott was playing on a franchise tag worth a little over $30 million. Prescott is either going to get tagged next year, sign a long-term deal, or hit the open market. And if they tag him again for the, for the second straight season in a row, that'll be worth close to $38 million for 20, 2021. Now, as I mentioned earlier, teams that lose, sometimes I like to say, we lost as a team. We're united. Well, in this situation... Apparently, someone has to be blamed. And there are two sides to the story. You're either on the Jerry Jones side or you're either on the Dak Prescott side. Because in my opinion, Jerry Jones, whether you believe that Dak Prescott deserves the money or not, you have to take care of your franchise, franchise quarterback first. You have to. The Dallas Cowboys were trash when they didn't have a competent quarterback. And what season was that? 2015. And what happened the next season? Romo got hurt again with a back injury. And then Dark got led you guys to a 13-3-3 13-3 season and almost got you to the conference championship game. Now I know he lost. Now I know it was a rookie season, but still, you saw what happened when he wasn't there, when the when a competent quarterback wasn't there. And now you have a quarterback who's who's been there for four years. He's been the established quarterback for the for this franchise for the last four years who got you to the playoffs twice, and, you know, played well those four years. 40 wins plus. And you kept... Jerry Jones, you kept giving fresh and big contracts to Amari Cooper, Zeke Elliott, Demarcus Lawrence, and other players. I'm pretty sure Sean Lee got extended, and he's probably still injured. I think he's injured. I don't know. He's always injured. And, and look... So again, whether you believe that he deserves the money or not, you have to take care of the most important position on the team, and that's how you avoid this kind of situation right now with the whole contract talks, with the franchise tag, and then you guys keep game losing shootouts every weekend, and then him eventually breaking his leg. And on the other side of it, speaking of Dak Prescott, who wanted four years at a high price instead of five years at Lower per, per year price. I'm never gonna say how much. I'm not gonna like argue how much you should make per year. I'm not gonna tell that Prescott how much you're worth. Okay? I'm not gonna do that. That's that's another man's money, that's his problem. But here's what I can't say you can walk into a season on your fifth year with the mindset that I'm gonna like bet myself in the sports of football. With no guaranteed money. You should have taken the money and run with it when you you had the chance. Because look. This was. Injuries like this could have happened at any season. The fact that it happened this year makes it a whole lot worse. I'm not saying you can't bet yourself. But a sport like this where tomorrow isn't guaranteed. You need to be secured. That's what. Like you could have sat out. You could have demanded a trade. Or you could have just signed what he offered you. And that's not you betting the knee and to their will and you just not getting what you want that you being safe and knowing and understanding that look this sport has ended careers still still sharp um, his career lasted shorter than it had to be and he was on pace to be one of the great wide receivers in this game andrew Luck's career ended shortly and he got big contract i mean was it a top number one overall like elite contract sure but he still took it and he's set right now so who was at fault well, the simple question to, and the, with the simple answer is everyone. Jerry Jones should have signed this stud quarterback sooner and showed that he believed in number four. Dak should have sat out this year or taken what he was offered. Because I'm, if I was in that situation, I am not, nor ever going into a season after my rookie deal is done without guaranteed money. To back up a potential injury, injury Ever. You can't do that. That's literally career suicide. And it's just. I'm not saying you're dumb. I'm saying like you either fire your agent or just you can't. I'm not saying you're dumb. It's like you made the wrong decision. So, what's the outlook for the Cowboys right now? They'll probably go 8-8, win a division, and probably lose in the opening round. But for Dak Prescott, and I know, you're rooting for your own teammates. It's your own team. I understand that. But you're low-key hoping that this team crumbles without you. Remember, 2015, without a competent quarterback, you guys didn't do anything. You went like 4-12. and Remember what happened to the Patriots like two Mondays ago when they faced the Chiefs without Cam Newton? That team fell apart. They couldn't score, and they, they looked lost. If that happens, Jerry Jones needs to pay Dak what he wants or find as close to what Dak wants as possible. That way, he'll agree with it. Because look, I understand you want another championship before your time is done. I understand that. But look, you're not going to get any closer if Dak Prescott is not in the lineup and you have to go to any Dalton who doesn't have a playoff win to save his career. You can't even win one. It sucks. The Cowboys aren't championship contenders right now, but you're closer to that promised land with Dak as your quarterback than Andy Dalton. They're close, they're similar, but one actually wins in the playoffs. Whether it's one or zero, he actually wins. Andy Dalton hasn't won in like three years. I understand the team fell apart in Cincinnati. They're poorly run. So is the Cowboys. Jerry Jones, you need a general manager to actually manage this team properly. Get proper rock roster construction. Actually draft defensive players instead of a wide receiver. CD Lamb, splash player, box office, ratings, big points. But guess what? You're you're two and three. Wanna why? Because the other team is scoring bigger points than you. I'm I'm sad that that Dak Prescott got injured. i really am. But the one thing I will say. Is that the Cowboys are in, are in a situation where they need to think to themselves. Either get a general manager to properly ma- manage this team. And Jerry Jones, step aside. Because that's the only way this team is actually going to win. Or, just keep doing what you're doing. And you're not going to win a championship for the next 10 years. And you can watch the Chiefs. You can watch the Packers. You can watch the Ravens. The Steelers. Or whoever. Actually get the championship games. And actually Get close to winning a championship. America's team. Maybe I should go to the Patriots. Because they actually win. Alright. So let's go to our next topic here. And it's still a quarterback topic. Jimmy Garoppolo got benched. In a blowout blowout loss against the Miami Dolphins. Which could be revenge from that. Championship 19 game in 1984. Where they blew out the Dolphins in the championship game. Could be revenge, for all I know. So, the San Francisco 49ers quarterback Jimmy Garoppolo lasted just two quarters and is returned this past week after Miami Dolphins racked up 30 points in the first half. Garoppolo was benched in favor of C.J. Beathard in the third quarter, which always means bad things if you're an analyst who has ratings to get. So, according to ESPN's Nick Wegener, Shanahan said after the game that he went to Beathard because he believed Garoppolo was still dealing with lingering effects of his ankle injury. With how the game was going on, and knowing that the 49ers would have to keep the ball in the air for the majority of the second half, Shanahan did not want to keep Garoppolo in the game. Garoppolo struggled in his return, completing 17 of 7, 7 of 17 passes for 77 yards and in 2 interceptions in the first half. He was in, he was inaccurate. he looked uncomfortable. He in the pocket and running. And the offense struggled to move the ball. Now, remember. Kyle Shanahan says that this move was to protect Garoppolo. Bench that halftime. Bad performance. Blowout on your home turf and from your home fans. And people are going to speculate that the 49ers may be moving in a different direction at quarterback. First of all. It's Garoppolo's first game back from an ankle injury. Mike Vick said it on FS1, stating that QBs coming back from this injury. Take a while to their 100%. Their footwork is low off. Footballs will sail. It's a bad day. And second, I understand the frustration on the state of your franchise and the state of your season right now. You're two and three. A lot. Of your top talent is injured. Your schedule does not get any easier and you really need this win. But bailing your quarterback doesn't create consistency or in confidence. Outside of Matt Ryan, this is your most successful quarterback they've ever had, Kyle Shanahan. You're having a down year because of because of unfortunate circumstances that that was not in your control. And this is not a this is not like a, a Super Bowl hangover. A hangover is when you have your starters and you're still failing. Like the Falcons have their Course still set there from the, from the 51 Super Bowl, and they're having a meltdown right now as a franchise. How your team responds to this will tell you a lot about the coaching staff and the athletes. Don't just bail when things get tough, figure it out. Go back to the drawing board. If things get worse, especially if Garoppolo aggresses and, aggresses and regresses to a point where he's playing like Nathan Peterman then yes, I'll open my ears to the, to the potential of a QB change. But not right now. Stick with them, all right? Have faith for once. Don't be a hard ass, all right? All right, so coming up next, the Cleveland Browns are 4-1, which also means that pigs are flying. I'll talk more about the Browns and how they are doing it for the first time since, I don't know, 1989 <laughs> or 1993, whatever. And Dan Quinn and Thomas Dimitrov are gone from the Atlanta Falcons. I'll get into that later. Stay tuned. NFL News Edition, coming back in 30. You know, I've been watching the, the NFL since 2005. And I've witnessed some cool things during my time as an NFL fan. I witnessed Peyton Manning win his very first championship in Miami, Florida, Super Bowl Forty One. I watched the Giants beat the Patriots to end their undefeated season. I also seen uh, Eli Manning do it again in uh, Super Bowl Forty Six. I watched my first Super Bowl blowouts, where the Seahawks destroyed the Broncos in Forty Eight. I watched the worst pass in NFL history. I've uh, I seen the, the Lions do well a few times. Uh, i witnessed some epic comebacks, especially last year. But never in my wildest dreams would I ever believe that the Cleveland Browns would be 4-1 entering Week 6. So for the, for the guys that are stuck in time and are a little lost, the Cleveland Browns defeated the Indianapolis Colts 32-23, to and proven to 4-1 for the first time since 1994. And during that season, the Browns went on to finish 11-5, made the playoffs, and defeated New England Patriots in the wildcard round. And the funny part is, who was the head coach? Bill Belichick. The Browns are 4-1. <laughs> what? <laughs> Look, again, I've been watching the NFL since 2005. There is one guarantee every year that the Browns would be the worst team in the NFL. Along with the Jets sometimes and the Lions, Jaguars, Texans a few times too. But they're competent. They're actually like worthy of watching. They're not a dumpster fire. There's no dysfunction. There's no bad. Okay, it's not bad quarterback play, but it's better than most. It's not Johnny Manziel. It's not Brian Hoyer. It's not Derek Anderson. It's not Colt McCoy it's actually a competent quarterback play for the first time since Bernie Kosar. And you know what's funny is that I predicted in 2015 or 2016 that the the Browns should be better from that time, like 16 in three years. Because the reason why is because they had a ton of draft picks. Year after year, they had like 10, 11 stockpiles in the first, second, and third rounds. And they had Hugh Jackson, who was at that time very respected and people thought he would be a good coach. They had John Dorsey at one point. So I thought to myself, there's no way that all those draft picks, you couldn't do something out of this. And for a while, I was shocked that they could actually waste all this talent that they have accumulated at one point in time. And then even when they got a little momentum and went 7-8-1, and, eight and one, I thought this could be the point where the Browns finally turned around. And then they actually botched it. They actually almost botched their own creation. They hired Freddie Kitchens. Baker Mayfield kept opening his mouth. And the front office got, got too much involved. And you almost destroyed what could have been a very awesome 2019 season. Now, right now, they're stable. They have an identity. They're a run first offense that uses play action. I only really care. And they're building on it. All right. And look, the reason why I say I don't care. I don't care if Baker Miffle's throwing for 119 yards a game or he's throwing less than 200 yards. I don't care if he's come up pedestrian. I don't really care. Okay, so look. You need a quarterback. Right now, don't worry about him throwing for 300 yards and him being like, oh, he's not he's not Patrick Mahomes. He's not uh, Aaron Rodgers. He's not Tom Brady. He's not Big Ben or, or Lamar Jackson. I don't care, and neither should you. You better just be hoped that the Browns can actually move the football on a consistent basis and actually score points and not... Trip, trip over themselves and forget how to cover the onside kick, onside kick like the Falcons did two weeks ago. And for the Browns, don't change anything to make your franchise look pleasing or because your ego gets, in the, gets too big. Focus on the weaknesses and figure out how to strengthen your strength. Your weakness is, hey, Baker Mayfield isn't, I'm not saying he isn't good, but he could be a lot better. Let's figure out how to let's figure out how to raise his stock and figure out how to raise his game, because he, he his ceiling is going to increase, increase, increase as a win and win and win and as confidence and his confidence grows. Not the annoying person, just the football kind. Now, what's the outlook for the rest of the season? Because they get the Steelers next week, and that is no cakewalk. But then again, the status of four one. Could be the reason why the Steelers could beat up the Browns this week. Or maybe they actually play down to their competition. Because maybe on paper, they're good. But on the field, there's like there's some weaknesses. There's some holes. So, here's an early prediction for the remaining 10 games for the Cleveland Browns. They will finish 11-5 and make the playoffs. I don't know who they'll face. But I think they can make the playoffs. I think they'll lose next week, next week to the Steelers. Uh, the Raiders, the Ravens, and the Titans. The running game with and without Nick Chubb is excellent. Mayfield does need to protect the football a lot better. He can do that. But this is a playoff team in my opinion, and I'm happy for it. The NFL needs the Browns to be good. This was once a cornerstone franchise that during its heyday was a hell of fun to watch. And I'm pretty sure people back then when they had Jim Brown, um, Otto Graham, and all those, all those guys, those were probably the days where the NFL was really prospering and growing into something what we what we know today. And hell, the last time the Browns were respectable and Super Bowl contenders was 1989. The last time where we actually they actually got the closest and we actually thought they were actually going to the championship game was in 86 when they had Marty Schottenheimer for some reason and got rid of him. Oh, you know. But again, it's great to see that the Browns are prospering. And that leads into my... Final news story for today. Again, I'm sorry I normally have more topics, but I'm running short on time because I have work and I have other things to do. So I'll have a short podcast for this this one. And that might be the reality going forward. Shorter podcasts. Normally they're like 45 minutes long. My apologies. But our final news story for today is Dan Quinn and Thomas Dimitrov are gone from the Atlanta Falcons. The Atlanta Falcons fired Dan Quinn and Dimitrov as head coach and general manager after a 0-5 start to the 2020 season. Uh, Falcons owner Arthur Blank has not made any comment on the season, sorry, on the reason for for the firing and what direction the Falcons are heading in. The question is where did it all go wrong for this team and where did they go from here? Well, you know where the team went wrong. Houston, Texas, February 5th, 2017, Super Bowl 51. That's where it all went wrong for the Atlanta Falcons, blowing that infamous 20 to 3 lead, third quarter lead against the New England Patriots. The next year was a nail in the coffin because they were already placed into the in the coffin. This one was shut closed. That road divisional game where they lost to the Eagles 15 to 10, when they were yards away from a game-winning score and you failed four tri- four times because you can't run the football in the goal line. Since that divisional game, Dan Quinn is 14-23. It was time for a change. You need to get the stench of 28-3 out of this building. This means that the direction of the Falcons is rebuilding the system. Get a new GM. Get an offensive-minded head coach. Your last two head coaches were defensive-minded. Let's change it up. You can trade away players or draft picks. And yes, if you can, it's going to be hard to do. But if you can, if it's possible, if you can figure out a way to at least either get rid of Matt Ryan or at least draft a quarterback and have him sit for a year and watch Matt Ryan because, listen, I'm a big fan of him. I'm not saying I don't like him. I always admired him. But it's time for you to go somewhere else. The Falcons are moving in a different direction. Julio Jones, I don't want to see you not win a ring. You need a ring. You can go to the Packers. You can go to the, the Rams or some team that can give you a Better chance to win and win now. Ricardo Allen and more guys, Deion Jones, guys that needed to leave and just bring in a fresh group of young players and rebuild the system. I don't think they should hire within the franchise as much as I want Raheem Morris to get another shot. Real change is what happens when you go outside the company and get fresher eyes and fresh perspectives. I'm in journalism class right now. One of my journalism teachers once said, if your mother reads your news article and says it's good, get another source. Besides Eric Bianney, I don't know who else would be a a head head coach candidate. Maybe Brian Dable from the Buffalo Bills. Maybe the offensive coordinator from the Tennessee Titans. But when you're hiring, make sure you're hiring a person that could change the culture, change the look, change the idea, identity of this team, because this team needs a makeover. Changing uniforms doesn't help. I mean, it helps with the... It's like makeup. You can hide the pain. And changing uniforms is not going to help. You need to change the the mental capacity of what this franchise could be. Because Dan Quinn only had two good seasons out of like six, five or six seasons. He only had two good seasons. So, unfortunately... A guy was fired, and a GM was fired. I think the GM will get another, get another shot somewhere else, uh, maybe down in Jacksonville or something. I don't know. He, he will get another shot, in my, opinion, in my opinion. He was he put together some good rosters. That had, uh, Dan Quinn, I don't know about him. He may be gone from coaching for a long time, as far as head coaching is concerned. Defensive coordinator is a different thing. He could get another job soon. I mean, there are some teams that need a good defensive coordinator. The Dallas Cowboys can need, needs a good defensive coordinator. He can go back to the Seahawks. He can go, who knows? He can go to the Jets. Some people, some teams need a defensive coordinator to at least help their cause. But then again, I don't know how many of them want a soft zone defense and they get picked apart by every quarterback in the league, including Mitchell Trubisky, almost Mitchell Trubisky, and coming off the bench, Nick Foles. So unfortunately, that's what's going to happen. Uh, What's, all right, um, I apologize for the uh, shorter podcast than usual. Normally, I have about 10 to 12 topics to talk about, but uh, since I have class, I have work, internships to preoccupy with. This is a hobby of mine. This is not like work. So, unfortunately, I have to cut this thing short because I have work in about a few minutes. No, not a few minutes, about 30 to 10, 30 to 20 minutes. I need to drive over there. So, thank you for listening to the NFO Weekly News Edition of the atlantic discussion podcast i will be posting more of old podcasts on anchor.com there will be one selective clip every week on youtube please visit my instagram page at one man island underscore productions and also check out my website at trendt24.wixsite.com both of those links are in the description below also make sure to check out videos i have on my youtube channel one man island productions i have sports highlights radio interviews and more I am Traded Collins. Stay safe. Respect others. Wear your mask. And hey, enjoy some football this weekend. Eat some pizza. Eat some grinders. Eat some nachos. Whatever you guys guys like to eat. If you guys want to go see some Washington games, enjoy that. If you guys want to see some Ravens games, enjoy that too. Stay safe once again, and I'll see you guys in the future.